that's where you're really like practicing interior silence in that sense is when you're choosing, you know, to try not to be attached to these things that keep coming up because it's not the absence of interior noise. It's not Mm. the absence of all these thoughts and movements that constitute like real Christian interior silence. It's, it's not clinging to them. It's not feeling like you have to chase them down or like, or let them define you or identify yourself with them. It's that keeping your eyes on Jesus being present to him as best you can, that's what will enable that space to develop. That's what will enable the, it it always starts with love. Praise be Jesus Christ and welcome back to CarmelCast. CarmelCast is a production of the Institute of Carmelite Studies publications. For more information, you can visit our website at www.icspublications.org. And we're continuing today with uh, our season on St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. And in this episode, we're specifically going to be talking about um, her understanding of silence. And I think that uh, this is something that's very, very important uh, for the world right now, really. I think, you know, saints come to us at different times. They have different messages uh, to share with the world. And I think that this is a message in particular that our, our world really needs to hear. My name is Brother John Mary of Jesus Crucified, and I'm joined today by Father Michael Joseph of St. Therese as we, we uh, dive into this very important topic. Yes. Well, I think you, you said it. It's probably more necessary than ever. And um, in some ways, too, you know, you can say Elizabeth, they call her the prophet of the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say she's also a prophet of interior silence, yes. really. I mean, that, that's what enabled her to be so attentive to the presence of God. Yeah. Um, and you think of, you know, what we struggle with so much. Maybe it's not the external noise as much right now, you know. Um, people aren't always necessarily like listening to the radio blasting anymore as they were maybe in our, in our parents' generation. Or <laughs> um, but... But they, but with the phone, with phones, you know, you can have your headphones in. Everything might look quiet. You could be in your room all day, your solitude, right, in your room, and yet you're you're filling yourself with so much noise, and and not just noise in terms of like actual physical noise within you, but um, ideas, thoughts, images, you know, stirring up things in you, contradictory desires, all this stuff that that it can it can create a kind of almost inner confusion that I think a lot of young people especially deal with and don't know how to process. Yes. Um, And so all the more do we need someone to kind of show us what is the path to interior silence. Yes. Yeah, I think that's that's a great way for us to start here is by just right ahead right right at the beginning saying, you know, we're not just talking about the exterior noise of our lives. Really what we're talking about is is the interior noise more than anything else. Yeah. Um and and I think most people have a sense of what that is, especially if you try to to go somewhere and just sit and be still and and quiet uh for a amount of time you'll 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 notice this this interior movement maybe movement is another word for it too yeah. this this inter- this lack of stillness this mm. lack of peace yeah. um welling up within you um that comes from like you said all these things in our world from from um even just a lot of the media we consume but also just the how complicated our world is um this is all we're consuming it yes. and it becomes a part of us well and we tend to escape too like our painful emotions mm. and our thoughts, our memories, you know, that we don't want to deal with. And so we escape them by going into more noise. Right. And then that creates even more turmoil inside. So then when we do have that time for quiet, even those other things, those painful part of our lives maybe surge up and we don't, we don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Don't want to know what to do with that silence. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We're certainly a culture that's just living in um, this place of interior noise. Mm -hmm. That's where Elizabeth comes to us and and really offers us uh, something to us today. Uh, in this this respect, but of course she wasn't uh, immune to this either. It's not that she grew up in a time that was totally, you know, not filled with these things. She she was right in the midst of it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, any, you know, any in any time in history, people are. It's going to be a similar struggle. You know, we could yeah. say maybe it's intensified in some way in our own time. But but yes, she she definitely had that. I mean, I mean, just think of when we talked about her time, her experience as a child too. Just the inner turmoil that she experienced that expressed itself in great anger and losing her temper. You know, there's a lot of interior noise there that probably, you know, with a lot of the saints, the reason they became so known for a certain virtue, let's say, it's because it was the very thing that they had to struggle with the most. 
you know, so, so you can see in Elizabeth's desire for silence or focus on silence that that was probably a big part of her own interior battle. Right. Yeah, it's funny to think that the, the little girl who was brought out of the church because she was screaming and throwing a fit is the one that today <laughs> we're talking about as being the saint of silence. Yes, yes, which gives us all hope. You know, I mean, that's the beauty of it, too. It's a, yeah. You don't, yeah, you don't have to have, like, enter into some specific state of life or some, you know, reach some spiritual stage to start striving for silence, mm-hmm. that, that she was able to strive for that even at a young age and really attain it in many ways. Yeah. Um, not in what's go into that, what that means, but not necessarily through her own effort, but but a real grace, a real openness, mm-hmm. you know, a receptivity that she had that was remarkable for a young woman, you know, even before she entered Carmel. Yeah, and, and maybe even to a degree, to the extent that we are aware that we're, we're interiorly disquieted is a, is a grace in itself mm-hmm. because it means um, the noise isn't so loud that, that we're like just... Uh, unable to, to even notice it at this point. It's yeah. like no, when, you, when we're noticing these things, it it's it's a grace because yes. it becomes uh, an invitation for us to to address the noise, to 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 try to find a place of of more interior peace. Exactly that that the self, the awareness, you know, just being aware really is is a great grace, and and it shows too, again, like that there's something in us if we're fighting it and we and we desire this as saint Therese would say god doesn't inspire unrealizable desires you know so if we see this as a as a real goal for our life we can really trust that god put that in our heart and he wants us to have that that interior peace interior silence you yeah. know and and it's it's not something unattainable um but but it you know with elizabeth it has a certain angle you know it's not just a value in itself Right. And and that's another key thing I think that we have to keep in mind. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And and it's connected always to uh, to God mm-hmm. for her. Because I think perhaps even in, in a, a natural sense, there's a way in which people can, you know, enter into these maybe very secular practices of meditation and interior quieting, um, which maybe could be very beneficial for them. Um, but where, where Elizabeth is going is is a different direction. Exactly, it's all theological. You yes. know, her silence is just so theological. It's it's always turned towards the other. Mm. You know, it's all about presence. Yes. It's, it's all about listening. Yeah. It's all about you know attention to the other. And yeah. and and it gives a good lens through which to see see Elizabeth. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't just a seeking for well being. Let's say you right. know, or or a kind of just trying to better herself. Yeah, Self-help. Yeah, exactly. Although it did help her. You know, that's right? the yeah. Exactly. It helped her more than anything else would. Yeah. But but it was because it was directed in this other way mm-hmm. that it had that it bore such tremendous fruit in her life. Yeah. You said a very key word there, um, which I, I want to consider um, in the life of Elizabeth, and that was listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we know, you know, from, from her childhood, she started studying the piano at a very young age. She was eight years old when she started taking piano lessons. And she was actually, you know, extremely talented when it came to piano. And um, this meant that, I think naturally, even before this perhaps, but she had a great gift for listening. She had a great ear. And um, that's something that I think allows her to be this prophet <clears throat> prophet of silence to us. Um, because I know even, you know, from my own studies of music, how important silence is for music. Hmm. Um, and it's absolutely essential, really, because same for speaking, right? If there isn't the silence in between my words, then you can't distinguish the yeah. words from, or the letters even from each other, sounds from one another. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, often you'll hear in uh, music teachers say, you have to play the rests, mm. play the rest. So even the, the silence between the notes, you have to play them. It's, it's equally as important as the music itself. Yes. And so this is something that, from a natural an, in a natural way, Elizabeth had, had this great gift for this ear for listening, mm-hmm. and I think that's really um, made her her so receptive to to um, the graces that God wanted to give her uh, in in this area of her life. Yes, for sure. And as a teenager, when she was you know so apt at playing and and so in tune, you know, they said that it was like when she played, it was just like her whole being, you know, was mm-hmm. was giving itself to music. Um, there was, yeah, there was this, an ability to be present, I guess, already in her, yes. you know, not not just a natural ability necessarily, but a real graced kind of characteristic to be present. Um, and, and you can see that even in her, like when she would go to parties and things like that, like 
she she would be very present to people you know they they always noticed her eyes like she was always just like attentive to them you know and her gaze is what struck people the most um but she would also write at these very parties how she would always like you know take i don't even know you want to say a moment or but she would just to just to remember the presence of god just to be with him mm-hmm. in a sense in the midst of all these other things so she so she she really had it as her aim to just you know quiet herself in a way to remain with god even in the midst of a lot of noise going on right. you know externally but i think you could even say internally too yeah so it's not like it's not just like this absence of noise that somehow she discovered or she was able to attain somehow by all this effort but right. but it was a, an ability to be present to be silent in that sense to choose silence in the midst of whatever was going on around her, whether she was in yeah. parties, whether she was, you know, being criticized by her mom and trying to fight that anger or, you know what I mean? But she, she had that, that gift, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Yeah. And maybe we can dive into this a little more later in the episode, but I do think it's interesting to talk about that relationship between interior and exterior silence, because mm-hmm. really what, what Elizabeth had was this interior silence that she could keep anywhere in the midst of a party, in the midst of, of, you know, the loudest thing you can imagine, it, it, it's, it's something that's within her. Mm-hmm. And so she can, she can re- keep that, um, that peace and that place, that, that space mm-hmm. for God. Um, and yet external silence is also very important too. And we have yeah. to realize the way that uh, when we consume a lot of noise, again, whether that be actual noise or just information, images, things to distract us, like how that's going to have um ramifications for our interior state yes and that is a good point like we there is a basic discipline that helps interior silence Mm -hmm. grow you know and and not always choosing noise you know just even good noise you know even a even a podcast you know even even caramel cast you know (laughs) maybe not caramel cast it probably really helps with the interior yeah okay (laughs) turn turn off the podcast right now (laughs) going to going to prayer (laughs) but but just simply you know turning off that stuff even if it's good stuff but allowing yourself to have that time that silence you know does help it develop Mm -hmm. and and it does it does provide an environment you know, for interior silence. So, so we don't want to, yeah, this external silence is good insofar as it is conducive to interior silence, I guess you could say. Exactly. And that's why, I mean, Elizabeth took her times of prayer Mm -hmm. and, and, and external silence very seriously as well. And it's one thing perhaps, I mean, maybe the, the podcast age or even just, um, I'm thinking of like wireless headphones now, how easy it is to always be listening to something. Um, whereas before, maybe like, you know, you'd get in the car and then you'd listen to something. But now it's like you're in the car, you're listening, and then you get out of the car and you're walking and you're listening and you're in the grocery store and you're listening. Um, and again, very good things sometimes, very good things. So it's not it's not a matter of totally rejecting those, but making specific time in your life to say, maybe I should just be present to my reality. Maybe yeah. I should go out for a walk and leave all that behind for yeah. a time. Uh, just it used, like you said, insofar as it helps me to enter into that interior silence. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there's a fear, I think, that somehow we're missing out. Like if I could, especially those who want a deeper spiritual life, like if I just could like consume as much good spiritual stuff as possible, that's going to help me grow. And that's, you know, and it's like, I don't want to waste time. You know, Maybe I don't have much time. And I, yeah. so I want to use that little time I have to kind of feed myself, nourish myself. And that's all good. But, but ultimately the most nourishing thing we can do is is be being quiet and still before the lord you yeah. know and so so to choose those moments like you said maybe it's not even a, a specific moment of prayer but just to turn things off and just just be with the lord you know yeah. whatever you're doing yeah well, I mean, we, we really appreciate our listeners, but if you're listening and you feel drawn to interior prayer right now, turn yeah. this off. Yeah, no, <laughs> We'd no much, much rather you listen to the Lord than to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, another thing from uh, Elizabeth's childhood that really, really struck me was, um, well, she had a real appreciation for beauty mm. uh, in nature. And those were things that really drew her into silence. Uh, again, exterior, but, but also more, more so interior silence. Um, and then connected to that is, is also this idea of solitude, which Elizabeth very often connects with the idea of, of silence and just how with silence, she doesn't mean, um, just 
exterior silence. When she's talking about solitude, she's not just talking about an exterior solitude either. She's actually more so talking about an interior solitude. And there's a, a great letter that she writes when she's, she's pretty young. She's writing to her friend about, you know, she's vacationing with her family. And um, she explained, you know, that they're in the country and just how, how beautiful the trees are and how, how she's really, you know, enjoying the time in the woods. Um, and she's explaining what they do every day. And then she says, I would like to have you share my solitude, for we are living all together like hermits. And it's very striking. Uh, Joanne Mosley, her biography points out that she's inviting someone to share in her mm-hmm. solitude, yeah. which just shows that she has this very rich understanding of solitude. The presence of another yeah. isn't ruining this, this place of, of solitude. And so by solitude, really what she means is this, again, space or, or um, awareness of the presence of God and yeah. being alone with him in that place, which again, I can do anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. It's not, it's not, you're trying to protect yourself or it's, it's not out of fear that you're entering into solitude in that sense. Yeah. It's, it's an order to be more present to the other. And, and, and there's such a joy in that, you know, it's like mm. people want it. Like when you're in love, you just want to be with the one you love, you know, yes. and, 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 and sometimes there's other people around and that's nice, but then eventually you want to go off, you know, and not be with them. Um, and, and again, yeah, it's that solitude. It's all, it's so relational, I guess. Her, her yeah. solitude, her silence is so, is so relational. It's not trying to put up walls to guard herself and not be vulnerable, let's say, you know, yeah. but it's, it's to just totally enter into love that she saw was so necessary. Mm-hmm. And I'd say even, even in the sense of, of the, of the crucified one too, you know, that was always big. Even before Carmel, she saw silence as the way that she could be present to the crucified one. So she could just be open to him, even when it's hard and it's painful. Yeah. Um, but th- so it's still, it could be a painful solitude, mm-hmm. but it takes away that edge because you're with the crucified one who loves you, you yeah. know? Yeah. One thing we know well from, from our novitiate in Carmel is um, our novice master was, was very insistent that we spend a certain amount of time in our cell each day, um, basically just being there. And it was exactly for this purpose, uh, purpose of being in our room uh, in silence, in solitude. And again, it wasn't so concerned about like what we're doing in there, but it was just like to have that, that awareness and that space. Yes. Again, space, I think is so important. <clears throat> presence, we're going to talk about a lot, like mm-hmm. the relationality and presence to another, but presence and space, like these two ideas seem so, so central here. And it's to have this space for, to encounter the Lord who wants, he's always trying to speak to us, yes. but we have to give him that, that place. Exactly. And that, that goes so much too into like how Elizabeth saw her own, her own name, her own identity as house of God. You know, it was like, even, even from a younger age, she saw that like the best thing she could do with, for God was be hospitable towards him. Mm-hmm. And so by creating that space, so, yeah. like you're, you're basically giving God permission to love you. You know, mm-hmm. you're giving, you're giving him free reign to just be who he wants to be in you. And, and what, what, yeah, what greater way is there to honor God yeah. than to give him space, basically? Right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, that um, when we make that space, when, when, we, when we shut off some of the noise, again, not necessarily external, but even just like internally try to make that space, um, we find that a lot of things start coming up, yeah. though. That being loved is not, or making space for love is not always an easy thing. Yes, yes. I mean, you could say even like there's certain moments where it might come easier. You know, there's certain moments where you just you're just graced in a special way in that moment or you're just in all over the beauty that you see or something that hits you. Um, but other times it's not that way. And yet yet. So I think that's the important thing, too. Is, I mean, even again, people in love, let's say, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes they're just present. To the they don't need any help to do that. You know, mm-hmm. um, other times it's probably really hard to be present to the other, yeah. you know, and you're distracted by your own stuff and they're trying to tell you their stuff and, yeah. and you might love them, but you're not, you're not there maybe, or you want to be there, but it's not easy to be there. And, and so I, but, but that's where really like, that's where the grace is. I mean, that's where you're really like practicing interior silence in that sense is when you're choosing, you know, to try not to be attached to these things that keep coming up because it's not the absence of interior noise. It's not mm. the absence of all these thoughts and movements that constitute like real Christian interior silence. It's, it's not clinging to them. Yes. It's not feeling like you have to chase them down or like, or let them define you or identify yourself with them. Yeah. It's almost just like letting them be and being okay that they're there and then not even paying attention as best you can. 
yeah. you know, even though when it, when it's difficult. Yeah. And, and so much of this of course relates to the teaching of, of Teresa of Avalon prayer mm-hmm. and John of the cross too. But, you know, Teresa writes quite a bit about distractions in prayer. That's exactly what, what uh, we mean here by interior noise are yeah. these distractions too. And she suffered from her distractions. I mean, she mm-hmm. really, it, it was difficult for her, but um, it's interesting how, uh, I think sometimes we try to fight that. Um, again, I'm not. I'm not just talking about the time of prayer yeah. either. But even outside of prayer, we, maybe we try to f- to fight or like block off. And I don't know if that's even the right approach. It's like you said. It's to to almost let them just let them be, mm-hmm. because um, in some sense, the noise, the interior noise, the um, I don't know. I think of it like a river. Our imaginations are like this river that's running through our brain and. And that's how we work as human beings. That's what allows us to be creative. Yeah. That's what allows us to have new ideas. <laughs> like that's a great thing. Mm. And and that that's a good thing because it means I'm I'm working the way I should. Exactly. My brain's working the way I should. Um, the problem is in our our latching onto them, mm. our trying to control them, our our attempts to um, to or, or maybe maybe just our inability to let them be. Yes, exactly, exactly. And, and that, again, that's a, I think that's a very good point because like if if it was the case that we just wanted to have like absence, like then then if you were like catatonic, that would be a good thing, right. you know, or just sleep. I could just sleep and I'd be great, you yeah. know, because I'm not thinking about anything. But it's it's that's not it at all. That's not it at all. Yeah, it's like we're we're trying to live every moment as if we're in prayer, basically, mm-hmm. and and not that not that we're focusing on praying, but it's like that's the whole Carmelite path. I mean, that's yes. the whole Christian path. Jesus says, you know, uh, pray at all times without ceasing. It's it's trying to be present to God no matter what. So, so what Teresa says about distractions and prayer, you can apply that at all the time, like yes. in, in every moment. And, and even with um, St. Elizabeth, where she talks about not letting yourself get caught in any useless thought. Mm-hmm. You know, you notice a useless thought, just letting it go. Like he, so not just during prayer time, it's not just during being distracted, but it's, right. it's trying to make that spirit of prayer, that spirit of being present all, like throughout your whole, your whole day. Right. And not letting your allowing yourself to just get sucked in by your noise and going after it, trying to resolve it all, trying right. to dig into it. Yeah. Well, because what happens, I mean, when we when we're trying to control or to latch on to these thoughts is is exactly. Yeah, we're trying to control it yeah. instead of being passive to to God. Yes. And also we're we're sticking on to something when God might be sending something else to speak to us. God's always speaking to us in the present, mm-hmm. in the present moment. And often we're like living in what just happened, you know, exactly. <laughs> an hour ago or a few days ago or in the future of our anxieties about what's about to happen. But yeah. but we have to, again, let go of those to allow the space for the Holy Spirit, who's really the one who speaks to us interiorly yeah. um, so we can hear his voice. We have to listen to him. And And that's, I think, where you get this whole sense of with St. Elizabeth of, of um, forgetfulness of self, mm. you know, because so much of her silence was geared towards just trying to be forgetful of self in a healthy way, you know, right. in a healthy way. Meaning, because when you're trying to control it, like you mentioned, or trying to like, you know, think about the future or the past, the ego is so there. Yeah, it's really that's where self is so strong, and self is what causes the most noise. Mm. You know, it's it's our it's our attachment to self. It's our you know trying to make our ego or ourself, whatever you want to call it, the kind of the center, yeah. you know, even, even in our own fighting, let's say we're upset or frustrated at, mm-hmm. our, at the interior noise that I can't quite overcome yeah. when I'm trying to pray or whatever, just that letting yourself get frustrated over it is creating more noise mm-hmm. than, than would have to be there because yourself now is really trying to yeah. come in there, you know? And, and so I think that's one key for her for interior silence is, is also forgetfulness of self. Yeah. And, and I mean, Elizabeth, again, she struggled with these things and that's why she can be the one to teach us. I mean, yeah. she struggled with this interior noise. I mean, I think specifically we referred to her childhood, the kind of the anger, her sensitivity, um, the frustrations there. Um, but even continuing on in her life, her, her, the kind of this, the real darkness that she went in into during when she first entered Carmel. Yes. Just how much that would have been, you know, it, she could have just turned in on that noise and, and just uh, remained in that. And yet it seems like, I think through that process, she was really taught to, to let go and then exactly. experience some real graces in prayer Yes, um, because of that, that openness. I was always struck reading her biography, how um, in, during her novitiate, when she did have those real struggles, it was, a, it was like these weird scruples too, like things that just weren't natural to her, like about 
like fulfilling, you know, the rubrics of prayer that they had to do and all these different things about being a Carmelite that like she didn't feel like she was doing well and she, was she offending God? Like, you know, these things that were causing her this turmoil. Um, and she didn't have just that peaceful, gentle, natural silence that she was maybe had had before. Um, she would go before the Blessed Sacrament on Sundays still when she had the free time mm-hmm. and just still be there. And one, I think it was one witness that she, you could like almost see her trembling Mm-hmm. Just trying to be present, you know, yeah. just trying to not give in to the noise, trying to not let it consume her. Yeah. And and so it was that it was that effort, you know, mm-hmm. in the midst of the darkness of trying to constantly be present, choose silence regardless yeah. um, that really honed her and shaped her mm-hmm. to who she was. And we can maybe think in that experience, that struggle um, when we can't uh, quiet ourselves we can maybe we could get like you said get frustrated about it which Mm -hmm. is the worst probably the worst thing that we can do um but if we can kind of change our mindset and say uh, in some senses it's a grace because god is allowing these things to teach me something Mm -hmm. to purify these things he's he's allowing these things to well up within me in order to teach me to let go yes um and that 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 purification of letting go can't happen very often unless those things come up exactly and so it's it, it's it's a necessary like it was for Elizabeth. It's this necessary process. So we shouldn't get so so be so hard on ourselves. Like mm-hmm. I'm just so far from this yeah. from sanctity because I experience all this interior no, noise. It's like no, that's exactly where the Lord <laughs> wants you to be and where He wants to purify. And the very fact that you're conscious of that shows you know yes. shows that that you care about it that much. Right, right. And you, and you can still make choices towards it even if you feel like you're failing all the time or it's not yeah. quite working as you would want it to or think it should work, mm-hmm. but you're making those choices towards it. Yeah. And um, a little later on, Elizabeth, I think, you know, shortly after these struggles, she she noticed a big transition in her prayer where she was really drawn to more silent prayer. And maybe that's something we can talk about a little bit too, um, what that experience was maybe like for her. Because I know at first she had some scruples even about her own silence in mm. prayer she felt like she she needed to be doing something yeah. um and yet her desire was just to kind of to be silent with the lord yes and that that's kind of it's kind of classic saint john of the cross right where yes. where you know when when god is kind of transitioning you to a more silent receptive open type of prayer as opposed to something more active or more like you know it's it's you kind of churning there um there is this this scruple that can come up that I'm not mm-hmm. doing anything, that I'm being idle, you know, that I'm not actually helping, you know, um, and 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 Elizabeth, even though she had passed that point probably a while back, mm-hmm. but it would still come up every once in a while, you know, and and yet she said when she would kind of give into that a little bit, um, there was a nice quote where she says, "Our Lord inwardly gave her to understand that the reparation He was asking of her was to allow Him to hide Himself in her." And she entered into his silence, totally consoled and pacified. Mm-hmm. So it's like God is saying, like, yeah, you could you could pray these novenas and and do these penances that you think you know would be more fruitful. But like, all yeah. I want is just to be with you. And right. so you, like, what you desire most of all is actually what what will give me the most glory and mm-hmm. what will be repa- reparative. You know, you could right. say what would repair. Um, sins against me by just allowing me to love you and allowing me to 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 welcome me into your interior. Elizabeth was was really able to to see her silence as as a gift. Then, like that's what she was giving giving to the Lord yeah. to such an extent that um, you know when some of the sisters were talking about you know different things that they were going to do or or to give to the Lord in preparation for a feast, Elizabeth would just you know, they'd ask her, well, what will you do? And she says, uh, I'll, I'll be quiet. <laughs> I'll just be silent. And so much so that it was said, you know, that the sisters like to make fun of this. They'd anticipate that that's what she was going to say. Yeah. Um, but there's something so beautiful there. This isn't coming from a place of, of laziness or, mm-hmm. or not desiring to do something. It's, it's that she realizes that all that she can do is, is nothing compared to what <laughs> God can do. Yeah. And so the best thing that she can give is just her receptivity to allow him to be the one who does it. Yeah, and it shows, I think, to her confidence in her path, you know, mm-hmm. in spite, in, even though she, all she wanted to do was be a good Carmelite, you know, and, and, and she saw these other sisters around her doing these things. But she, yeah, she was so confident that this was her calling, mm-hmm. that this was her path that God had put her on. And 
Um, and she, so she wasn't, she didn't let herself, you know, yeah, get dissuaded yeah. by, by the comments or being made fun of a little bit and they respected it for sure. But, mm-hmm. but she was just, yeah, she, she saw that this is, this is the best thing that she could do. Right. And she saw this as like the vocation of heaven. I mean, she wanted to live her heaven on earth through faith. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and she said to a, a, a seminarian quoting a sermon that she had heard that the saints live in silence, recollected, and their only job is to be receptive, you know, receptive beings. And so, so if that's what we're, what heaven will be is just total receptivity to like God's complete gift of self, pouring himself into us and then, and then giving that back to him, pouring himself us back to him, then it's kind of like, why not do that now? Yes. Yeah. And my mind, of course, immediately goes to Our Lady, which maybe we'll, we'll get to a little bit later. But um, I also just want to mention that um, this, a lot of this, is especially relating to silence and prayer, we, it's something that we discussed in one of our episodes on the Living Flame of Love. I think it was one of the episodes on stanza three of the Living Flame of Love. Um, so if, if people are interested in learning more about this, this call to more silent prayer, that would be a great place to go. St. John of the Cross has really um, just excellent teaching on this, this topic. And um, also I'm just reminded of something that, that I'll often tell uh, directees is that um, if in prayer you, you feel drawn to, to more quiet, simpler prayer, like always take that invitation. Yeah. Always take that yeah. invitation. Like, Don't be afraid. Yeah, that's, that's, that's from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and you think more now more than ever, in a sense, because we're so afflicted by noise. Yeah. You know, and, and, and as Paul says, we're sin abound, grace abounds, you know, or St. John the Cross, where when evil bears its face more, all the more does God pour out his treasures. Yes. And so in our age, maybe these are the treasures that God especially wants to pour out mm-hmm. more than ever. Right. It are these contemplative graces and to not be afraid to go with it. You don't have to think that I have to be some great saint or you know, be great in my own eyes before I can be brought into this kind of prayer that, that, that God is very generous and, yeah. and it's, it's, yeah, it's always a gift. Mm-hmm. One experience I remember from, from my novitiate is, um, I mean, I've always, I've always been very devoted to the rosary, you know, praying the rosary every day since I first really started praying the rosary in college and I was praying the rosary every single day. It was a very important part of my spiritual life. And I remember at one point during my novitiate, I think I was in, beginning to enter more into a, in, interior silence for the first time in my life. And um, I remember speaking with my novice master and explaining how I I was struggling to pray the rosary because I often, I just wanted to like sit there and be with Our Lady and just in silence. And it wasn't that I wasn't praying or I was letting my mind go elsewhere. I was just, I would start praying the rosary and then I would just want to be there with her. Um, and so he really encouraged me in that and that was so helpful for me and freeing for me because I had this mindset of like no I have to finish the rosary I have to finish the rosary and he's like you can pray the rosary later like take that opportunity that invitation yeah. um, if you have time later great you can finish praying the rosary but um, we just get we can get attached again to very good things in this mm-hmm. rosary life the rosary is so so good um, so I'm not saying not to pray the rosary <laughs> but but I am saying that when we're drawn to that that place of silence and just it, it's almost like the point of the rosary is to bring us uh, to Our Lady who brings us to Jesus. Exactly. And when we've reached that destination, then we can just rest there. Yeah, yeah. And that precisely, like, if, if that's what God wants most of all, then how are we giving him most glory? It's just to let him let Him be who he is, you yeah. know, let him do what he wants. And and it's it's in that silent, receptive kind of prayer. And also where we let go of our own ideas sometimes of what we think our spiritual life should be, you know, and... Mm-hmm. And what we think that our prayer should be like, what what we think means, you know, for us spiritual growth, like sometimes God wants to break those schemas a little bit in our lives, you know. And and He definitely did with Elizabeth, you know. And 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 it's it's okay for it's that's love is letting Him do that, letting Him do that, and not being afraid. And that that's what and novitiate is such a great time for Him to break to break our <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> certain things like that in our life, you know. Yes. That's so so <clears throat> it's really learn. I'll, learning to let the Holy Spirit lead us mm-hmm. and not be so attached to our own conceptions of, of what prayer is, of what sanctity is. Yeah. Um, holiness is, is being with him. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Elizabeth really saw her silence too. It's, it's rooted in the gospel, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think we have to be careful that it's not some esoteric kind of reality. It's mm-hmm. not some just sort of just in the clouds or, or just, kind of some some alternate reality that she's trying to access some other state of consciousness or something you know oh, yeah. it's 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 rooted in the gospel and it's it's all from 
Jesus, what he says in the Lord's Prayer, to go into your room, to close the door, and remain in secret with your Heavenly Father who sees you in secret and rewards you in secret. And so in that, you know, little kernel is, is that's, that's in the silence of Christ on the mountain, you know, like it's also rooted in the gospel. Um, and, and the silence of Our Lady, mm-hmm. you know, the silence of Our Lady. I don't know if maybe you could speak to that, how, how Elizabeth identified herself in that way. Yeah, I mean, we, we see Our Lady really as this, in Scripture as the perfect example of, of, of silence. But again, it's not just that exterior silence. It's more about this place of openness and receptivity, so much so that she was, was open and receptive to receive the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and, and to bear forth Jesus. Mm. Um, and so that's, um, it seems more than anyone else, that seems to be who, uh, or the model that Elizabeth is, 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 um, is really working towards in, in her spiritual life. Yeah, and it's interesting when she, like the most beautiful quote, uh, it's in the last retreat, forget exactly what what day it's in but um one of the most beautiful kind of quotes she gives or paragraphs even on our lady um is in the context of the visitation Mm -hmm. with mary's silence you know which is interesting because the visitation is seen as like that's where mary's charity towards her neighbor the active life right and and yet elizabeth that's what she comments is it says with what recollection you know with what with what silence you know of the word within her mary carried out these works of charity, you know? So, so it just shows too how, how Mary's silence is so rooted and so connected to, to her charity, her love, you know, her active life, a life that was probably very noisy around her, right. you know, in a little town, you know, <laughs> and, and all these relatives around you all the time. And you're saying uh, it's not totally quiet in first century Palestine. <laughs> I mean, 16th century paintings make it look that way, but <laughs> yes. I don't know if we could really say that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> No, that's that's true, and and this is really where you see the the wedding of um, of Martha and Mary. You know, the, we we often hear about these these two as the example of you know Martha is the one who's who's busy about many things, and and Mary's the one who's who's staying there in prayer. But um, in the Blessed Virgin Mary, we see these two things totally united, mm. um, and that's what we're called to be too. It's not one or the other. It's it's how. Um, when we find this place of interior silence, we can actually be the most active, the most busy, the most loud, um, but still be working from this place of, of intimacy, silent union uh, with Jesus within our, our souls. Yeah. And it's it's through faith, right? It's through faith. It's not through a feeling of recollection necessarily or a great feeling of, I don't know, holiness. Sometimes we get those holy feelings. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not, that's not where it necessarily is found, but it's faith. It's faith in the presence, and you can always go back to that silence through faith, mm-hmm. you know, and how, how faith and love really help kind of create that space too, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so that was, that was Elizabeth. I mean, Elizabeth identified with that so much because that's how she saw her own path mm-hmm. in, in, in with Mary and Carmel and everything together. That's how she saw right. her, her own identity with, with Our Lady. Yeah, yeah. And, and then speaking of that receptivity, um, making, I'm, just, I'm such a visual person, so I just imagine it, like making space, like literally within my soul, <laughs> like making this room for, for, this, for this place, for, for, for interaction, for encounter with God. Um, we see the, um, perhaps the, the, the work that does go into that too, though. Yeah. Like there, there is, there's something for us to do oh, yeah. to, to help prepare that space. Mm. Well, I think another word for it is detachment. You know, I mean, the work of detachment <clears throat> is probably the the most closest kind of, I guess you could say, virtue that would be connected to silence. You know, where it's it's really, it's. I mean, this is where the rubber hits the road in our spiritual life is like letting things go, you know, when they come up and, and you know, letting our, the passions, as St. John of the Cross says, like the joy, our hope, right? Our sorrow, our, you help me out here. <laughs> Fear. Fear. <laughs> Letting those things be so focused on God that it's not that we're kind of focusing them on God or creating space, but it's that when the things come up that divert us away from God in those areas, you know, or that that are threatening our interior peace, we do our best to let them go and space is developed, you mm-hmm. know. And our and our, our passions are focused on God in that way. So, so I really think detachment is the work 
that you could say synonymous with silence in a sense. It's, yes. It's any, as, as St. Elizabeth said, any useless thought, you know, even the slightest useless thought, fleeing mm. from it, fleeing from it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny too because I find uh, a, a, this inner working between, uh, well, nature and grace, but also like our work and 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 uh, our openness to God's work. It's, it's almost like this circle that closes in on itself yeah. because... There's also a sense in like even that we can't do on our own, yeah. <laughs> and we have to we have to rely on on <clears throat> God. So like how how do we let go of those things to make the space for God? And it's it's often by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Exactly. Like if we're so focused on on getting rid of the things or making the space that that very often makes it worse. <laughs> and it's like, well, what can I do? It's like just keep your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Like that that is the way. I always remember one of the greatest experts on uh, St. Louis of the Trinity I had the uh, joy of meeting. Uh, he was a Maltese friar, Father Juan de Bono. And he said, when I asked him about silence in Elizabeth, he said, oh, his, her silence was love. You know, mm. that's what gave her silence was love. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so it's, it's that keeping your eyes on Jesus, being present to him as best you can. That's where the fight comes in. Mm. You know, that's that greatest work of detachment. And then, then, the things will, not that we'll always feel like we're doing a great job letting things go, but if we can do that, that's what will enable that space to develop. That's what will enable the, it, it always starts with love. Yeah. It's not necessarily about not having those distractions or those preoccupations or those worries. It's instead about um, those can be the very, the very space that allows God then to come in to push those out, mm-hmm. like to allow Jesus to come in and push those out. It can be the invitation for us to, to allow him to come in and to make that space. So I guess the, the reason I stress that is because I think often um, we, we imagine that what this looks like is just this kind of Zen-like state of nothing. And that's not it. There's mm-hmm. still in, in Elizabeth, you know, oh, sure, there are times of an exceptional grace when when perhaps um, we just reach a state of interior peace yeah, and where the, quiet. The faculties are suspended, as Holy yes. Mother talks about. Or... Right, yes. But <clears throat> but that's an exception. That's not the rule. Like the, what Elizabeth's talking about here is something we can live day in and day out. Yeah. And that is is something different. There's the, the, the thoughts are still coming. The the distractions are still coming. The preoccupations are still coming. But they're they're not. They don't stop there. Yes. They they become this place, this invitation to say like, no, Jesus, I'm I'm turning to you instead, and and letting them go. Well, it's the, it's the great fulfillment of the the Easter proclamation, right? The mm-hmm. oh happy fault. Yes. Oh, oh necessary sin of Adam, which gained for us so great a redeemer. I think that's the old translation, but yeah. <laughs> um, but it. It's, it shows how God works all things to the good. So then, yeah, our distractions, <clears throat> our own noise become the opportunity to just keep choosing love, yeah. to keep choosing him. And not in like a forceful way either. It's not like we have to be so like self-conscious or feel like guilty because we're having all these other thoughts or something or, or be so like forcing it. It's, it's just like a gentle process of, of trying to loosen one's grip on things because we realize they're not God mm. and we only want to cling to God. Yeah. And so as things come up, we try to loosen our grip on them and, and, and we do it for love and it's love that makes it possible. And the things themselves, like you say, become the space yeah. to do it. Right. And this, I mean, this is, it's, an, it's such an interior mysterious reality. Yeah. So it's, and it's hard to talk about, but um, I mean, if we're going to try to get real practical, like you're driving to work, <laughs> like what, what is that? How do you do that? Like, mm. What, what? I mean, it's probably different for different people, right? But what is that interior movement like? I mean, it's it's one thing just to say to let let them go, yeah. but like, what what's happening internally? Well, I think for one, you don't close your eyes. <laughs> yeah, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. <laughs> one one key part, but um, but no, I think it's just you know, honestly, just making an act of faith that God is there and being present, trying to be present to that reality of God there, and however that resonates in your interior you know it's hard we're all different how that might and the way to get to those acts of faith or the way to make those acts of faith um but then just it's almost just trying not to chase things down i i don't know i think of that game that whack-a-mole game you know (laughs) it's like it's like you know you just keep whacking the moles and and we can be driving for half an hour 
and and all we're doing is whacking moles you know yeah. and then they just keep coming back up so it's almost just like letting yourself lose that game mm-hmm. let the moles come, come up and go. come and go and just <laughs> but you're just trying to just be present to what you're doing you know you're just yeah. being present to driving you're maybe saying a couple words here and there to god or mm. um you know whatever kind of keeps you that faith that act of faith sort yeah. of persistent um but everyone's so different but yeah it's like but that's a good i i I appreciate that concreteness, you know. Yeah, and maybe one one way it can present itself practically is is more like um, by being so focused on what it is that God's calling us to do in that moment and how He's calling us to love. So, like for example, if if I'm um, you know with my family and and I could you know maybe get get someone says something hurtful to me, I could maybe just turn in on myself and focus on that and. Yeah really fixate on this this thing or it's like no i can just focus on loving the other being attentive to the other person just letting that letting that go yes um or even if it's like i'm by myself and i'm working like what is it that god's calling me to be attentive to right now that's where he wants to encounter me um and so that becomes the focus um it's not even necessarily like explicitly turning my mind to god no um but he's there yes he's he's there in all of it so it's not not doing that either (laughs) But it's it's that's how we pray always, right? Yeah, exactly. Because it's not just like being good at making mental efforts or mm-hmm. something, you know. Because that that's or constantly praying like the Our Father over and over again in my mind. Yes, and and not to they're in the East, especially in the in the Eastern Orthodox and the Byzantine Catholic tradition. There is the Jesus Prayer, you know, yeah. and that's a very it's a, it's a tool to help you exactly to find that place of of constant prayer. Uh, it it yeah. in itself isn't the constant prayer so much. Exactly, and that's what they're going for is silence. Hesychasm, which yeah. is the word for that spirituality, means silence in Greek. So, mm. so that's what they're that's what they're striving for through that prayer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of whatever whatever helps you do that. But I, I like too what you said, like when there's especially when egotistical thoughts come up, like whether it's hurt or exaltation you know yeah. um which go they can be wildly in the same minute one you know, yes. can follow the other um it's it, like being aware of that and just not not yeah not going for it not letting yourself get consumed by it yeah um and making that choice to like yeah to like well, and connected to that i think a lot of people struggle with self-doubt mm-hmm. and those intrusive thoughts come in and it, it's just a matter of being like rejecting them and saying like no i'm i'm a beloved son of god yeah that's who i am yeah you so don't identify like so simple yeah exactly and 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 for some people where it's like a pathological condition for these intrusive thoughts it's still possible to have silence you yeah. know it's still possible it's it they might still come but you're you're doing your best to not let them yeah to not to not identify yourself with them yeah. you know and to and to yeah make those acts of faith i'm a beloved child of god and, yeah and and the reason <clears throat> I mean, the reason why it's possible is because um, of God's grace. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and really, I think Elizabeth's help, I'm, I think we should ask for her help in this when it comes to searching for this place of, of interior silence because she saw so much that that was, that was her mission. Yes, and it's worth, um, it's worth saying, quoting that mission again. Yeah. Um, so she says, you know, I think, this is right before she dies, I think that in heaven, my mission will be to draw souls by helping them to go out of themselves in order to cling to God by a holy, simple, and loving movement and to keep them in this great silence within which will allow God to communicate himself to them and transform them into himself. And and I think you really have, you know, you can unpack that in so many ways. Yeah. Um, but it's that it's that refusal to just cling to the particular, you know, to... to to set yourself on something that's so less than God um, and to allow yourself to just be, just to be present, you know, just to be present as best you can to this, to, to this loved one who's, who's with you, who you're, who's always with you. And in, in a sense is heaven in, even on this earth. And Elizabeth saying she's, she's there to help us. Mm-hmm. She's there to help us with this. So ask for her help. Yes. This is where I think this is why she's so much needed in our world today is because mm-hmm. Um, she can she can help to bring us through her prayers. She can help to bring us to this place of interior silence. Yes, and and read, asking her help, reading her writings. You know, all yeah. these things can give us tools to to keep moving in in this direction. Yeah. Well, maybe we can close with with just one more thought then, um, and that's about something that's I mean even more mysterious and 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 beautiful really, and that's about this idea of this Elizabeth's idea of of this the silence of heaven like the the goal that we're striving for um 
she she describes uh, heaven and and what we'll be doing in heaven as as just singing and and praise, but but also silence. Mm. It's not yeah the silence of the divine silence, right? Yes. I mean it's it's this the tri- the trinitarian silence. It's this the fullness of life, you know, and movement and love. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 sharing in that, mm-hmm. you know, it's being able to share in that where it's this. The silence of meaning, total receptivity, total listening in that way, total docility yes. to to God's inflowing love, and and just living in that dynamic, you know, yeah. receiving it. It's like breath, you know, breathing it in, breathing it out, as Saint John the Cross would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's again, Our Lady is the the perfect model of that. Um, what you said there reminds me of um, really, I think, in Elizabeth's understanding of silence, there's almost these these two two. Uh, kinds of silence or these two phases of silence and the one is the the silence needed the space that's needed to hear god to listen to god uh, making that room um but then it's almost why why do we make the room why do we listen it's to hear something but what is it that's heard for elizabeth is silence Mm -hmm. and the reason why it's silence is i mean you know in the, the great teachings of of john of the cross and and many of the other saints and mystics is that god is so much beyond our ability to comprehend so much beyond our ability to put into words or to noise even. And so God communicated to us. Um, it is, is just this, this loving silence. Maybe we can close then with this. Um, this is my favorite poem of, uh, by St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. Uh, it's her poem number 115. And, uh, really for me, it just, it really summarizes the, the, her entire spiritual journey and the, the path that, that we're called to follow. She says, See Laudem Glorie's humble boat. It has just made, O oh Mother, such a wonderful trip. Through a peaceful night in deepest silence, it softly sailed on the vast ocean. Everything was at rest under the vault of the sky and seemed to hear the voice of God cry out. But suddenly arose some deep swells, and the frail vessel vanished beneath the waves. It was the Trinity who was opening wide its breast to me, and I have found my center in the divine abyss. I shall no longer be seen on the edge of the shore. I dive into the infinite. There is all my inheritance. My soul rests in this immensity and lives with its three as if in eternity. Well, it's great to be able to talk about this this very deep and, and maybe it's sometimes abstract theme, but but I think it has such great concrete repercussions for our life. So yeah. thank you know thank everyone for for joining us and um, hope to see you in the in the next episode. God bless you.